0: everybody welcome to another episode here of the sci guys football forum i'm one of your co-hosts i the side joined as always by my good friend my good buddy the other half of the Side guys is a tad side and tad we're gonna get into something that we've done the past couple of seasons actually i think we've done it every single iteration of the off season that we have had this podcast i'm
1: pretty sure this is at the same time one of my favorite things we do and one of my least favorite things we do <laughs> it's like it's a great idea in theory and then all the work that goes into it I'm like I hate this. I hate this so much. But today's episode's actually made it much much easier because I had like uh you know a lot to go on in the past NFL. So I'm actually you know what the first episode not too bad, but yes, we are kicking off our annual NFL head coaching deep dive and Emer, do you want to introduce who we're going to start with? Absolutely, and Ted, I think this year I think
0: we've learned from our past episodes and our we past. We always you know. say that.
1: We always say that. Just I feel like we... this year was a little bit more no, pared down, so no, I think it might be a little no. bit
0: easier. No. No, you? we okay. need to All stop
1: right. lying to ourselves. We're never going to pare this down.
0: I think this. I think this year is going to be a lot
1: different. Yeah, I hope the previous so. We'll years. see. But okay. Anyway. Yes,
0: like Tad said, we're starting our new NFL head coaching series. We always cover all of the new head coaching hires, and you know, eventually, you know, we'll figure out whether we're going to cover the rest of the teams. We did it last year. That was pretty labor and that was bad bad. so we'll see about that we're gonna make make some adjustments i'm not sure if we're gonna do articles for every team like we did last year we'll figure something out but like i said we're gonna start with our new head coaching series and we're going to kick off that series with the new head coach of the denver broncos and that is sean Aiton, former go. NFL head coach. So, Tad, like you said, I think there's a lot that we got to go off of and figure out as far as what he's going to bring to the Denver Broncos from what he was doing back there in New Orleans during the late 2000s to the mid to like, you know, end of the 2000s, 2010s, like uh, 2020, I think 21 is what he retired. What, right? what
1: so, are we going to call it? 2010s? Tw- 20-teens? Have we decided on like the name for that decade yet? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, don't we'll know. get there. But, he he spanned across like
0: 15 seasons so i mean yeah so i mean just say that what you want there so let's get into this coaching history a little bit All here, right, Ted. So, really quickly. Let's start with his professional playing uh, history first. So very short, he got into coaching very early because he did not have that great of a playing career. He unfortunately went undrafted in the 1987 NFL draft. He landed in this, get this tad, the inaugural season of the arena football league, which obviously we know from Kurt Warner and a few other guys that have made their names in the arena football leagues. Then coming over to the NFL. So he was at the inaugural season, uh, um, he played for a little bit, but then surprisingly, Tad, he was sold for $1,000 to
1: that. the Canadian <laughs> Football League
0: for the uh, Ottawa Rough Riders of the Canadian Football League. So he played there. Um, he ended up being a replacement player during the 1987 NFL strike. He was part of the Chicago Bears organization. I love this nickname, Tad. called them the Spare Bears. I was
1: like, this is Bears. fantastic. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> this is that's fantastic. So
0: good. I loved it. That's why I had to bring it up there. Um, eventually, he went to Europe, and he played in – I never even heard of this league. I was like, I had to bring this up. You never fantastic. heard of the
1: Europe league? league? No, 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 not the Europe League. The okay, league that a thing. I've heard sure. of NFL but Europe.
0: I definitely heard of that. Oh, like, come on, take the loan for Warrior. come on, man. Like this is the league though, Tad. The UK Budweiser National League. I love it.
1: It's like the G League. <laughs> it's like a nineties version of the G League.
0: A little bit, a little bit. So he played for the Leicester Panthers and he actually did pretty well. He took them to the playoffs. Props to your lost-
1: pronunciation, by the way.
0: Yeah, I, I I have a friend who's a big soccer fan, and so he likes to watch English Premier League, so Dude. I know Leicester City is one of those teams, so that's why I already do that. I said, <laughs> oh, no, I said no Leicester
1: way. once, you would have thought my soccer friend would have killed me.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Leicester Panthers, he took them to the playoffs, unfortunately the loss of the quarterfinals, came back to the United States, and he realized that, you know what, I need to jump into coaching, so he landed in the college ranks. Started at San Diego State, Tad. He coached Marshall Falk when he oh, was there. Damn it. Sorry. I'm you, so I, 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 I you had that you one. You still yes. like
1: fun facts. Damn it. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm yes, he sorry. Co- he coached Marshall Falk. I was even going to make the whole Warner connection of like, oh, hey, you mentioned Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk. But yeah. yes, no, he did coach uh, Marshall Falk while he was at San Diego State. By the way, how many LAFB members do you think would know that Marshall Falk went to San Diego State?
0: I think there's a good handful of them. I don't know. About I, everybody, think a, I think I think a
1: handful, but I would say like 50%, which is lower than it should be. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think no, that's fair. It's almost like if they don't play in LA, they don't care about them. <laughs> Wow. All right. Let's toss that into the slack a little bit later.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you can handle that explosion at <laughs> the landline. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, so he jumped around at the college ranks. He coached at Indiana State. He coached at Miami of Ohio. He was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, went back to the University of Illinois. And then he came back again to San Diego State. Fun fact, Tad, when he was the OC in Miami of Ohio in 1995, they had the top scoring offense in the FBS. So I mean, he started to display that skills that he had. Unfortunately, not as a player, but definitely as a coach, he started to display that there. Two years later, 1997, got his first NFL coaching gig. That was with the Philadelphia Eagles under head coach Ray Rhodes and offensive coordinator. How about this name? John Gruden was his offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. So, Yeah. So he got to learn from him. Unfortunately, Ray Rhodes was fired in a couple seasons. New head coach, Andy Reid, that stepped in, decided not to retain um, Sean Payton. He moved on. He landed with the New York Giants. He was the offensive coordinator for that team in 2000 that played in the Super Bowl against a lot of people arguably saying the best defense to ever play in the NFL, that 2000 Baltimore Ravens.
1: I'll say I may agree with that. But no, the funny thing was the play calling duties were actually pulled from him. While he was in from, uh, while he was with the Giants, is because they started struggling a bit, so it was actually pulled from him. But he still succeeded, which is really, really weird. And this is, I'm, I'm, you know, jumping ahead here, but this is why he made his next move, which was. To these uh, division rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, maybe some of that
0: play calling, I think, affected him because he did get fired. He did get signed on by the Dallas Cowboys. He helped coach up Vinny Testaverde in Dallas.
1: That's another fun fact. I literally had no idea until – sorry, I had to jump on this because – Of course, you have to. Literally, I had no idea Vinny Testaverde was ever a Cowboy before I did research for this episode. I was like, Vinny Testaverde was a Cowboy? And I was like, no, there's no way. And I looked it up, and I just – I don't know how – that is a massive gap of knowledge in my football you know, history of – I I had no idea he was a cowboy. And so, no, Sean Payton helped Tessa Verde and two other cowboys to three straight 3,000-plus 3, yards passing seasons. But, no, I'm not lying. That was one of the more mind-blowing things I found during my research was like, they Tessa Verde was a cowboy, really. Do you remember yeah. that? I, I was do. like, si- I was like six years Vinny old. Vinny Testaverde was, was nice. very
0: much like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of now, and a little bit of the um, Josh Johnson. Kind like
1: around. Played
0: for every team Josh, <laughs> Josh Johnson is a great one. Yeah, so Vinny Testaverde was one of those guys as well. So yeah, he helped coach up, like you said, three quarterbacks. One of them was Testaverde. One of them was Drew Bledsoe. He played for the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. For that, one I that one I didn't know. That one. And the know. other one was Quincy Wilson. So they all had three thousand yard heard season. Yeah, uh, but also, Tad, he was instrumental in discovering Tony Romo with the Dallas Cowboys. Out of and what college? Eastern Illinois, because the same Damn. as Jimmy Garoppolo is, the same as Jimmy Garoppolo. So they Damn it. made it. They talked about that one a lot when they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> the San Francisco Warriors traded for Jimmy they Garoppolo. I was like, no, I did. Yeah, that <Yep>. Uh, but, yeah, so because of all of that and doing it in Dallas, obviously the biggest market, the biggest team, obviously a lot of attention goes to that in the NFL. He was a hot commodity. He was getting a lot of coaching attention to get a head coaching job. Eventually, he does get his head coaching job with the New Orleans Saints in 2009. This is crazy, Tad. So they had a 3-13 and 13 record, 3-13 yes. and 13 record the Correct. year before he was hired. Took them to a 10-6 and six record, his very first mm-hmm. season, uh NFC South title, and he was in the NFC Championship game against the Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, it was a very long-sided game. Chicago Bears ended up going to the Super Bowl there, but still, in your first season, whoa, whoa, Colorado, whoa, 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 that, whoa. hold
1: on, crazy. hold on, hold on, hold on. Chicago Bears went to the Super Bowl. How did that Super Bowl play out?
0: Well, I think Tad's pretty happy about that one. You can talk about that one if you want to. <laughs>
1: Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl that's how it played out baby that is exactly what happened there so later
0: on though Tad a couple years later he was able to compile oh, a 13-3 three record that. in 2009 you, you laid dance. it out but I gotta you know gotta <laughs> supplement that one there so just a couple seasons later 2009 Peyton led the Saints to a 13-3 record gets to the Super Bowl finally and Who does he beat to accomplish this New Orleans – to get the New Orleans Saints their first ever Super Bowl win in franchise history? Unfortunately, Tad, it came against your Indianapolis Colts.
1: Fuck you, Tracy Porter. (laughs)
0: But, yeah, he ended up coaching 15 seasons with the New Orleans Saints. He had 10 winning seasons out of those 15 seasons, Tad. Uh, Obviously, we could talk about Bounty Gate. He got suspended for an entire year, took a year off. He came back. He was still his old self. But eventually, he did retire in 2021. He was thinking about – he went to the broadcast booth for a little bit. Yeah. Went to the broadcast (laughs) booth for a year, and obviously, the head coaching calls started to come in. He was uh, getting a lot of interest from a lot of teams out there. Eventually, he has accepted the role with the Denver Broncos. So, really, Tad – before we get into his coaching philosophy, his coaching team, which I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners and our viewers know about already. But we'll get into it a little bit here again just in case we're catching any, anybody that has no idea who Sean Payton is. Because there may be some people who are tuning yeah, into our episode maybe. that maybe not. But just what did you think about Sean Payton landing with Denver as soon as you heard the news that he was landing there?
1: You know, it, it, it made sense because with Russell Wilson – um the the way his contract works so let me actually i was gonna bring this up later but let me break this down right now sure. is uh cool. the soonest cool. like realistic uh cut point in terms of like when the broncos could cut russell wilson off their roster is 2026 yeah. and uh even if they do that it, honestly honestly got I, I was like god this feels so familiar i feel like i've had this conversation before and i remembered it wasn't russell wilson i was having this conversation about it was jimbo fisher at Texas A&M, of like they're both just horrifically bad long contracts. So, 2026 is the soonest that the Broncos can realistically cut Russell Wilson. That's at 31 million dollars. That's their dead cap hit in 2026. <laughs> oh, oh lord, that's a big one. <laughs> so like maybe you take that, maybe you don't. I don't really. I it's. I don't know. And then the most realistic time that they're going to get rid of him is in 2028 where it drops down to four. Mm -hmm. So that's the most realistic thing. But either way, my entire point stands is they're basically stuck with Russell Wilson for the next two or three years. So you got to do something drastic to make it work, especially after the absolute train wreck that the Broncos were last year. And so, especially because I was watching tape of Russell Wilson, um, you know, in preparation for this episode and you're just making really poor decisions. It was, it was I didn't, one play in particular where, um, oh man, I'm trying out Al, Alberto, uh, how you say it? Okunibana. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying that. <laughs> Alberto is running OTB uh, over the ball route Hang and up. Bobby Wagner yeah. is very clearly just like sitting there and Russell Wilson's like, I'm going to try it. And and you know, this is it's it's like an old I, I brought this up during our draft uh live stream, but it's like an old meme I saw of uh the start all of the Star Trek movies summed up where it's like you know, Spock being like, Don't do the thing, and Kirk's like, I'm doing the thing. Of course, That's yeah. what Russell Wilson was doing all last season, was he's just doing the thing for no reason. He had no ability to read the defense. So hopefully he has the ability to read this. But going back to your original question, is all this to say you are stuck with this quarterback that's a giant question mark at this point. And I can't think of a better coach to pair him with. So I yes, you they so for those of you who don't know, uh the Broncos gave up la, uh this I almost said last year's, this year's first round pick, which ended up being Brian Brees, the defensive tackle out of Clemson, and a second round pick next year for Sean Payton. it's a C price. But I think that, like, if you're going to go all in on this quarterback, which you've clearly already done, this is your best bet to make it work. And I do think there's a good chance it may work.
0: Now I have optimism that Sean Payton's going to work out because obviously he has a strong track record of being able to – Get the best out of that New Orleans Saints offense. And I mean, we'll get it. We're going to get no, into no, this we'll for get sure, in that. Oh, no. We'll get into
1: that. Yeah. No. We'll get about that. But yeah, definitely.
0: It's just like he has the track record there. He was able to take a year off, sort of just get his mind right. Um, just look at, obviously, like this is very much like what they were talking about with John Gruden. He was like, take some time off. He was in Monday Night Football, watching a lot of broadcasts, watching these teams, understanding that, you know. I
1: send those emails, man.
0: Yeah. It yeah. ended up not working out for him in that sense. But just like I think Sean Payton obviously was able to do the same thing there with Fox. So I mean, just hopefully. You know he's going to be able to continue his strong track record being an NFL head coach now with a new team there. So let's get into his coaching style, Tad. Because I mean, yes, we have a little bit of well, not a little bit, but we have a lot. Oh, no, of, we have a
1: lot. We, we have a, a lot, lot of
0: things that we could take from his time during there, there in New Orleans. And Tad, I think just the first thing that you have to speak about with Sean Payton and his offenses there in New Orleans. They put up points on the board with ease. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. Tad, in 15 seasons, his offenses have finished in the top 10 in scoring 13 times. So there's only two seasons where his offense did not finish in the top 10 in scoring. And then 10 of those 13 seasons in the top five. And yes, I know he had Drew Brees at his quarterback. Yes, I know he had Michael Thomas towards the end of that team. He had Marcus Colston. He had a lot of these great players, but still, it's just his utilization and his way that he was able to scheme up a lot of these players to get open and just leverage just so many mismatches that's what made his offense. So I have dangerous.
1: a lot I have a lot of notes on that but we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, we
0: definitely have a lot to get into here. So, Tad, I think the biggest thing also that hopefully Peyton will be able to accomplish in Denver because he was able to accomplish it in New Orleans is that he was able to make sure the quarterback was protected. Yep. Drew Brees was very rarely sacked when during his time in New Orleans. I got more stats for you here. Ten times the New Orleans Saints finished in the top five with the fewest sacks allowed. Top five. And then 13 times total finishing in the top ten. Or few as sacks out. so cr- critically I mean he put emphasis that's like I don't want my quarterback getting hit because I want my quarterback to be able to dissect the offense with however much time he needs to make sure that he is executing the play that I am calling out for him and that's exactly what Drew Brees did he set so many records single season career records I mean just everything he was able to accomplish there because he was getting the protection I mean it's like you can't do that if you don't have the protection he's able to just look around find the right option and be able to deliver and execute the plays that Sean Payton's obviously drawing up for him, right? So his offense is built off. Like, I mean, we've done this. We've talked about this so many times before on our coaching series. It's built off the West Coast. A lot of these offenses are sort of like they have their base of the West
1: Coast. Good Lord. (laughs) You, you West Coast people and you're just influence. How dare you?
0: Yeah, exactly. Your housing prices are getting down
1: here now too. (laughs) I can't move.
0: But, yeah, obviously, like I said, he was coaching in Philadelphia. That's where he started his coaching career. John Gruden, obviously, bringing up the West Coast offense from his time with San Francisco for a little bit here. I remember we talked about that in our last coaching series. So it's obviously made the transition to all these other coaches. They have an influence there. But, obviously, he takes it and he adds his own special mix to it as well. So one of the biggest things that that Norris was doing, Tad, not only was he doing the West Coast, but then he was doing the West Coast to lull the defense to sleep, and then all of a sudden you get these aggressive shots down the field. And I think maybe, Tad, this is a good point where you can sort of step in here and speak a little bit more about just like how explosive this offense was during that time.
1: No, I, that's why for our you know uh, podcast listeners who are audio only, the second immer said that I got excited because, yeah. like I said, I, I started watching you know Saints tape because I'm not a Saints fan. What the hell do I care? So <laughs> I like you know I I started watching this offense to prep for this episode, and that was one thing that actually shocked me was because I I always thought of Sean Payton's offenses as one that stretches the field and like yeah. oh we're gonna take deep shots time and time again, but actually what they do. Is they, like, attack you horizontally. So what I mean by that is, like, yeah, you need – if you're the quarterback in this offense, you need to have a rocket arm to get it to the sideline, not to get it mm-hmm, to the end zone. Mm-hmm. And they, they attack you, and attack you, and attack you, short, short, short until the defense is finally like, okay, we're going to bring everybody in. No more short passes. And then you hit them with a deep pass. And it's just, and like you said, is that is where Sean Payton found his success so well in New Orleans is because he found the right combination of weapons to make that work. And we'll definitely get into this later. But that is the thing that surprised me was just how classic West Coast Sean Payton goes about this. Is just like short gain, short gain, short gain, short gain, and 40 yard touchdown. It's just like that's the way it works. So it it, it that is the genius of Sean Payton. Is like you know what he's going to do but he gives you no other option it's because either like okay we'll go into the 10 just like you know drive it down the field or we'll score you know on the long drive and there's just no way to stop him and I obviously I knew Sean Payne was a great coach before this but like truly breaking down this head coach deep dive I was like this dude like he's a great offensive mind and that's a big big reason why I'm I'll be fascinated to see how Russell Wilson does in this system because a lot of Sean Payton's offense depends on a quarterback that kind of needs to make his decision before the snap comes of like, all right, here's what the defense has given me. I either need to go short or I need to go long and with a rookie or an experienced quarterback that that's iffy, but Russell Wilson, say what you will. He knows what he's doing most of the time. So I think that that's why I'm, I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic on the Broncos heading into this year because I think if you pair Sean Payton with a veteran quarterback that already knows what he's doing that's already used to the speed of the game it's a dangerous combo we saw what Drew Brees this is exactly what happened in New Orleans he went from you know Sandy him being Drew Brees before anyone says I'm wrong Drew Brees (laughs) went from San Diego to New Orleans and he went in the system where it's like you need to know what you're doing and he flourished in that
0: Exactly, exactly. And you know, I think you know, a lot of people like to talk about Russell Wilson having this mobility, so he's like, he still has it, but he's not the same mobile guy that he used to be. He's not a scrambler, but he can move around exactly, exactly. So, I think that's the benefit that I think Sean Payton's going to be able to benefit from as well, too. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, Drew Brees was not a mobile quarterback, but like, I think think that's where Drew
1: Brees fell apart late in his career because people forget like he his last couple games were not that good but i think that's mm-hmm. where he fell apart was because it was like hey can, can you move three steps it's like no i can't it's like oh, okay yeah but
0: one thing that drew Brees was also very good at yes he got the protection but he was also had good pocket awareness mm-hmm. and that's what russell wilson benefits from too where he used to be able to just scramble out of the pocket make a 50 yard throw on the run now it's like those things are going to come few and far between i think that's the thing there but i think still russell wilson has that pocket awareness he could scramble a little bit more even at this age, more than Drew Brees. So, I think that's going to give a little bit more of an extra wrinkle in this offense for Sean Payton. And I want to touch on something that you brought up, Ted, where it's like this offense, like you said, not only are they going to attack you vertically. But exactly like I said, they attack you horizontally, so they're Side going lines. left to right, lines. and they very much epitomize the fact that they are going to beat you with every inch of the field and also with player mismatches. So, I mean, it's like we obviously yep. know about Jimmy Graham, how he just came out of nowhere using tight ends to stretch the field. They had Darren Sproles on their roster. They had Reggie Bush on their Holy
1: roster. Holy and- shit. I legitimately forgot Darren Sproles was the saint up until now. Exactly,
0: <laughs> and so it's like he's able to use these players in just different ways that maybe not every. Team is going to use, so he's going to take the running back and use him on a wheel route, maybe on first down. You're going to use the tight end, and you're going to bring him in on a short route, but then you're also going to send him deep on a deep nine route because you have the ability with Jimmy Graham. So it's just like you don't know what to expect from every player that is lined up in a formation under Sean Payne because you're just like, okay, yeah, I think this guy is going to cut short on you, but then all of a sudden he's going to cut on you and totally beat your linebacker up the seam, and he's going to be wide open for probably a 40-yard touchdown that you're just not even expecting, and then. I know there's a lot of big names, Ted, that we've talked about. Obviously, like I said, Michael Thomas, Jimmy Graham, Reggie Bush. But Sean Payton's also gotten a lot out of these lesser-known guys. Like Marcus Colston, I know he made a name oh, for himself.
1: I oh, I, I have some stats on him for later.
0: He was a seventh-round pick. Look, I mean, he was able to get that because he fit the offense so well. Then Out of River where? where. Hofstra. I knew that one. Damn it. They always talked about God, that damn one. Damn That one was always talked about on the damn broadcast, Ted, Like, that, you couldn't have given me that one. But, but remember Lance Moore he Lance, made a he name for himself in the same office do you remember Devery Henderson
1: I do remember that there's one guy I'm trying to remember like like last year like two years ago number 10 or number 12
0: yeah Traquad Smith he became there a it the is teams. that's yeah. exactly what I was thinking you also got Kenny Stills for a brief time was very mm-hmm. good in the mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints he signed with Miami Not where? the same player out of, out of what Not college the same player Oklahoma I think if I ever you're
1: fucking <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> But we was gonna thing, win this game you've won it
0: before you've won it before but the while. biggest thing with Keddy Stills is that he fit that offense so well but as soon as he signed to Miami not the that's same true. guy and I think and that remember really speaks to and the remember because everybody was people.
1: like oh like he's the stress the field guy and it was just like like everybody thought that was a perfect like match made in heaven and yeah he just he didn't fit the system that's the whole thing is and keep in mind like I know people are gonna go Oh, why are you bringing up people a year or two ago that wasn't Sean Payton's system that was Sean Payton's system it still at work, even though he left. like the yeah. the 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 system makes players work. That mm-hmm. is the key to a great coach.
0: exactly. And then just the last thing that I'll close this out with Ted and then I'll pass it to you to sort of give some closing remarks sure. on his coaching style here is that we're talking so much about the passing game. But when his offense got real dangerous, he was able to run the ball because you have to remember, there's yeah. a lot of great running backs that played in this system. They are able to run the ball as well as be pass catchers as well. Like I can list off a few here, like Deuce McAllister. Even at the twilight of his great career, throwback. he was still effective in this offense. Remember Pierre Thomas?
1: He was effective wow, in this offense. that's like, a great throwback. That's another
0: one, right? Man, I want to play the college
1: game with that, but I don't even know. Yeah, actually Pierre Thomas. You would have got me on this if you do it. If you do it, you would have got Damn me on so
0: It would have got me. but Obviously, Tad, we hear about Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. They're a little bit more recent, obviously, but just like they had that one-two punch, but just like when he was able to establish a strong running game, that just made the pass offense just that much more effective, that much more dangerous, right? And so it's like you look at what Denver did in the offseason. They made some key contributions to add to their offensive line. They signed Ben Powers. They signed Mike McKenzie, who are both excellent in the run game. And also, Ted, they signed a blocking tight end by the name of Chris Manhurts. I don't know if you know about this guy, but he is one of the better blocking tight ends in the league. So clearly it's like Sean Payne's like, I need to upgrade this team to make sure we could run the ball because that's going to benefit us when we have pass catchers like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick's going to come back. Obviously, we got the tight ends where Greg Dulcich looked great and Albert Okwanebenov. It's like all these guys that could be more effective if we can establish the run, and we need to make sure that we can block and set some holes for these guys to establish the run to keep the defense honest, and then all of a sudden we can beat them through the air, so – yeah, there's a lot to like with Sean Payton coming to Denver. We're obviously going to get into guys that we like as far as the fantasy, uh, fantasy aspect is concerned. But Dad, I want to pass it to you here to just sort of close out. Just any other thoughts that you have on just Sean Payton's system in Denver, and just like, I'm very excited for it. Honestly, <laughs> like I, mean, like, no, I don't, quite, I know you're cautiously optimistic, but I'm actually maybe a little bit more optimistic because it's like, yeah, I, I think it's really going to work out.
1: I mean, like I said, like it's, it's. This is my general point with did Denver give up too much for Sean Payton? No, because this was the only system where if you have an aging quarterback that knows what he's doing, this is the only system that's going to work in.
0: And also, Tad, really quick, I didn't want to cut you off here, but just remember Drew Brees was a quote unquote shorter quarterback Mm -hmm. and Sean Payton was able to get the most out of him. What is Russell Wilson? He is also at that same vein. and it's more
1: like, mobile, and more mobile and, than like I said, we already talked about the mobility, yeah.
0: but just the fact that he's shorter, I think Sean Payton can now work with him and understand that's like okay, I need to make sure that I'm designing these plays in a way that Russell Wilson can best execute them because he's a shorter quarterback. So I mean, and, it's just like, and people say like, oh,
1: and, and people say like, oh, the shorter thing does that really factor in? No, like Sh- Drew Brees and Sean Payton have both admitted, like, yeah, no, we ran more plays in shotgun because that exactly. way Drew wouldn't have to be like this like for, for <laughs> podcast listeners like a, the giraffe like He's looking raising over raising his yeah, head yeah, yeah exactly yeah, like, yeah. no a hundred percent a lot of
0: plays it's in, a uh, in, uh, shotgun formation i think the same thing's gonna happen to denver
1: exactly so uh by the way pierre thomas went to illinois how about that wow i never yeah, wouldn't know I, I thought he probably that, went no. to a
0: smaller school i had no, like, I, yeah, I, no, I no idea either. about illinois um but, right
1: but no know. all right the the last thing i'll bring up before we get to our players who will benefit is i also did a little bit of research on the defensive coordinator, this shocked me. I was like, awesome. I have to be reading this wrong. Vince Joseph is back in Denver? Yes, I remember hearing what's that. How awkward! How and awkward I, that meaning must have been.
0: And I remember posting in Slack too, I was like, is Denver really going to rehire this guy to be their DC? And I remember the Slack was just like, you know what, he's got a little talent, it's going to be interesting, and there's a lot of jokes that are being made about the welcoming committee going to be very interesting and all that stuff, but yeah, I do. That does recollect to me. Yeah, that Vance yeah. Joseph is now the DC there. So,
1: so when I watch Vance Joseph's uh, defense, just because we can't give all the love to the offense, we gotta throw a little love to the tough guys too. Sure, sure. Is um he's a very blitz heavy, man to man heavy offense as well. So, in th- I, honest to God, I I feel like I remember this happening, but I totally forgot about it. Zach Allen is now a Bronco. And Zach yes. Allen had a career. That's, a, that's going to be a very underrated sighting. I agree. I completely agree. Cause he had a career high five and a half sacks last year. And I think he's going to be a monster for this defense because they already had the chem- for those of you who don't know, Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals last season. Zach Allen was a defensive end for the Cardinals last season. So they already had the chemistry, same system for both of them. And also here's the thing where I was really like, Ooh, this may be a problem for everybody else in that division. Uh Joseph loves himself some man to man. He loves going man to man. Amir, who's the top corner in Denver? <laughs> Arguably some could say he's the top corner of the league too. Patrick it's, Sertan the second. <laughs> that's gonna be dirty. That <laughs> yes. is going to be like that <laughs> is like I think Sertan, Zach Allen, Jewel, like there are Jewel's lot. a very underrated yeah. linebacker too. Yeah. There's a lot to Kareem Jackson still there. Like, there's yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. to work with.
0: Justin Simmons Denver... is still on the team, right? He signed a long-term deal, I, I think, believe he's he still correct. playing on the tag? Uh, what are the uh, other? He's either well, on the tag or he has you know a long-term deal. He's, he's the on right. the team. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know so, like, I this Denver defense, don't be surprised. They jump back into, like, the top oh, yeah. five, you know, performing defenses again because I I really – Vance Joseph was never given a fair shot. He just yeah, – I, I, I've given this rant before, but – and that's why I was surprised he went back. I mean, he's a better man than me. He clearly holds no ill will. So he is back there, and he is in a great position to prove, like, hey, my system works. So I know we've been talking about the Denver's offense this entire time, but Denver's defense, whoo, look out for that.
0: No, honestly, Tad, we have brought this up before because I think we've talked about the Carolina Panthers numerous times on during the off season mm-hmm. here because of all the moves they've been making. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of Jiro Evera, who is now the defense coordinator of Carolina. But he got the most out of this defense last season. And we've said this so many times. Denver was not bad because of the defense. It was their absolutely horrific yeah. offense. No, It's just terrible.
1: You, you give us the ball like on our own 20, like what the fuck do you want from like? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no I very much like quit. the pieces
0: that they have on defense. I think Vance Joseph has a lot to work with there. So they're going to be good on that side of the ball too. But just yeah, I'm very, like I said, I, maybe I'm too optimistic, but it's just like, I can't help, but feel like just the system that Sean Payton is bringing there. It's really going to benefit this offense. And, Let's transition it here, Tad, to the last segment that we have of today's episode. It's just. Who's going to benefit fantasy-wise? Because, I mean, obviously, we usually do this head coaching series with that sort of eye towards fantasy football drafts with all these new head coaches. Like, who's going to benefit? Who's going to regress? I don't think we have any regressive candidates this episode, but we definitely do have two beneficial players. So I'm going to pass it to you here. Who do you think is a guy that's really going to benefit with this transition to Sean Payton's, like, you know, stretch the field, West Coast offense, establish the run, just, like, so many different things? Like I said, I just – the explosive factor with this offense is there, especially with the pieces that they have. I'm just curious to see which piece do you think could be
1: the most effective? So, like we already touched on, there are three types of receivers in the Sean Payton offense. There's the guy that will stretch the field. I think that will either be uh, KJ Hamler, or, and I'm not even going to lie, I totally forgot they drafted this guy. It's either going to be Hamler or Mimps. Yeah. So Marvin one is. of those mm-hmm. guys is gonna be the deep shot guy where they're gonna blow up, you know, one or two weeks, and we're all gonna freak out, be like, "Oh, game off the waiver wire," and I'm telling you, don't do it because yeah. this <laughs> happens every time. I, I, people are gonna have PTSD with the Saints' offense, where it's like, "Who do I trust?" And the answer is yeah. no one. But yeah. um, then okay, so they're their deep field stretch guy, okay. They had their short yardage guy where it's like, all right, you're a big physical dude. We can trust you to get like we talked about, like the, you know, three yards a catch, move the uh, ball down the field. That's Cortland Sutton, in my opinion. Who is left? We got Tim Patrick. Nothing against Tim Patrick. But this other guy that I'm about to name in my pick is better. I think Jerry Judy is going to absolutely succeed in this role because let's take a look at – who are the other guys that fulfill this role? I'm like, you're our in between. You're going to be our every down guy, but also stretch the field when it's needed. Marquise Colston, Emmer, over under two seasons that he's had, under 500 or uh, under 900 yards.
0: I remember looking at the stats. I think it's under.
1: I got you again. it's Ah, exactly two
0: seasons seasons. i wanted to say that but i was like no maybe i read it wrong but
1: (laughs) i was i was scared you're gonna catch on to the game but um (laughs) no and here's the thing too though those two seasons he started less than 10 games so those were injury related Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. else so he is like colston was the definition of consistent in terms of yardage now let's talk touchdowns brandon cooks when he was in new orleans scored eight and nine touchdowns He isn't – and this was shocking to me. He has yet to reach those numbers since he has left New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. So if you find the right combo of speed and possession receiver, which I feel like Jerry Judy is – you find the perfect combo of yardage monster with a fair amount of touchdowns. I'm not gonna be like an unbelievable amount, eight or nine solid season. So I think that Jerry is gonna be the one that really explodes in the system. Cortland Sutton's gonna rack up a lot of receptions, a lot of yards, not a lot of touchdowns. KJ Hamler's gonna have like you know a couple games where he really blows up. Other than that, he's fine. But I think Judy's gonna be the secret like you know spice you throw in this pot. And the pot of – uh, you know, how about that pot for Denver? Get it? Oh,
0: God, yeah. Cause, cause I was just we, curious we to see back. where you're going with this analogy of this pot. Well, here. I was I – was <laughs> so like, where, where are you cook- going to close this out
1: here? I was doing cooking metaphor, and then kind of yeah. blew up on me. But, yeah, no, like yeah. you throw the spice in there, and like it just blows up like in a good way. And like I, I really think that Jerry Judy is going to be the most effective receiver in this offense. So Jerry Judy 100% honest to God – If I'm late second round, I may consider him.
0: Wow. Okay. That's pretty high. I do.
1: I'm seeing like wide receiver one potential in him. I very much like that. I
0: think with the skill set that he brings, I think he's just going to be an ultimate fit in this offense for sure. Um, I, the only thing that sort of uh, makes me a little bit cautious is just like all the rumors that we heard about them possibly trading Sutton and Judy. So it's just like yeah. is it because of that? Is that a Sean Payton thing? Is that a George Payton thing? Is that like you know something else? I really don't know. That's the only thing that makes me just a little bit cautious with both Judy yeah, and Sutton. But honestly, like third round, if he's there, I'm 100% snatching him up. For all sure.
1: right, late so second, honestly, third. What the hell's is I know.
0: I know. But just like just yeah, a little bit there. But I'm gonna give you a name here that a lot of people picked last year to break out. But I think now with the switch in this offense and Sean Payton sort of bringing this extra wrinkle here, I think he's finally gonna break out this year. And that's a guy that we brought up already a little bit here. Tad, the name I've, that you don't want to say, but I will say for you to cover your crowds here, Albert Okwedinub. Albert O. All, all right,
1: right. right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me, give me, give me a try. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Albert Okwedinub close, close. I'll take Open it, I'll email. take it, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, I'm not trying to get it. Anyway, go, go <laughs> ahead.
0: <laughs> um, But, Tad, during New Orleans' sort of reign as being one of the top offenses during Sean Payton's tenure there, they had an athletic tight end that sort of broke out that a lot of people were just like, where did this guy come from? A former basketball player from the Miami Hurricanes. His name is Jimmy Graham. And you look at Jimmy Graham and his height and his build. He comes in at six seven, two fifty eight. 258. Well, Albert Ogredipanam comes in at 258 as well. He's only just two inches shorter, but he ran a faster 40 time than Jimmy Graham when he ran his 40 there by a clear like nine, like 0.9 seconds too. like it was pretty fast. Um so you look at what just Jimmy Graham brought to that offense. Like I said, that whole mismatch ability that I was sort of talking about earlier, right, where it's like you line him up as a tight end, but he could ultimately just beat you down the field, take advantage of both the slower safeties as well as those coverage linebackers, that, that modern day linebacker. Albert Okwuani, but I can sort of send them in his dust because he has that speed ability. Unfortunately, last year I just I don't think it was just as good a fit in the offense with whatever Nathan, Nathaniel Hackett was doing. Like there's a lot of things that Nathaniel Hackett was doing that a lot of people
1: didn't like. Learn how to call a thing. timeout, man. I like, know. Come on, know. Jesus. Um, so we did see a sort of rise. We literally Greg... had to hire a timeout specialist. I've never heard of yeah, that in my life. That
0: was that. Yeah. <sighs> um. But because Albert Okrinivanov is just not a good fit in that offense, whatever Hackett was doing there, we saw the rise of rookie Greg Dulcich with
1: a lot you of L.A. say he, he was Reds hacking heavy. it.
0: Hacking it in a bad way. Like, I mean, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I think just oh, – I man. think what he brings is, like I said, that speed mismatch. He's a good hands catcher. He sort of is a little bit of a flashier player. I think he's going to pair really nicely with – a Jerry Judy. He's going to pair really nicely with a Courtney Sutton. Another guy that I've got I really like as well, Tim Patrick. He was hurt last year, but I think he's going to be a wild card too.
1: I don't know how he's going to do. It. He's the wild card here. I
0: see him being very much like this, that third option. Like I said, I've talked about this more, where it's like Devon Anderson, Lance Moore, Kenny Stills, Traquan Smith. He's going to be kind of that guy, where it's just like he's yeah, going to do a lot of yeah. good things, but he may not be as reliable in fantasy. But consistent, I do like, yeah, exactly. But I do like him as a good fit in this offense. But just yeah, going back to Albert O. Like I said, I think he's going to be able to stretch the field. Like I said, he's going to be a mismatch. He's going to be able to, like, run some of those quarter routes. They're going to develop his route running a little bit. And I've actually read up Tad, but it's just like he's been one of the stars during their OTAs and their mini camps or whatever that they've had recently. Like him and Tim Patrick actually have both been shining on offense. I think Sean Payne likes to make use of all his guys in his offense. I very much like Tim Patrick to flourish, but 100%. Albert O is going to take that sort of Jimmy Graham role in this offense, and he's absolutely going to break out this year finally.
1: So you're missing a name because you – spoiler alert to our listeners. uh, I knew he was going to go with this earlier. I thought you were going to bring this guy up to, like, argue against it. Are you not worried about Dulcich? I did bring up Dulcich. Like I said, he did flourish last year, but I think
0: just the extra – just the explosive element that this offense has – that's what Albert O brings. Dulcich is still going to be a contributing factor, but he's just not that sa- – like, he's a more consistent move the chains down the field. He may vulture some touchdowns away from Albert O, but like I said, when you're lulling the defense to sleep with these short deacon dunks and you're obviously bringing the safeties in, this is where you send Albert O on a deep route, and he's going to be wide open very much, like I said, what we saw from Jimmy Graham in the past. So it's like that's why I'm sort of high, higher up on Albert O compared to, compared to Greg Dulcich.
1: Man, this may be like a fool me once, fool me twice situation, but like after Noah, especially because it's the it could same be. team. But it after, Noah fans, be. after Noah Fant, I feel like exactly because your whole argument is he's more athletic, which is fair. Yes. He absolutely is more athletic. But that's, I feel like, again, what I've said on the uh, you know past uh, podcast episodes with Noah Fant where we're like, he'll be good. It's just because he's like big and athletic. Is like, yeah. man, maybe Alberto will work out. But at this point, I'm kind of losing faith.
0: It is a little risky. He could fall into that same trap of like your Eric Ebron's, your Brandon Pettigrews. I mean, like you said, with no, the- Brandon Pettigrew. <laughs> holy shit, that's a throwback.
1: <laughs> so I mean he Jord- could Jordan fall Cameron.
0: Jordan Cameron, there's a good name, too. Yeah. He had, like I think one season, I think, where he was successful, then after that, nothing. So he could fall into sort of that bucket for sure. But just like I think just with Sean Payne, I think he may finally untap that potential that we're sort of been waiting for. I know he's only had like a sp- Short career, I think this is the third season now that he's entering,
1: right? So just correct. like yeah, yeah but he yeah, D and, and Drew Locker the same year.
0: Yeah, so I think just Kim just not being effective last year, that's all Nathaniel Hackett. But if he's not effective this year under Sean Payton, then 100 percent you can label the bust field bust label on him and just completely roll with Greg Dulcich for certain there. But yeah, I do like Albert O to finally break out this year and be an effective piece of this offense under Sean Payton and yeah, that will sort of close our. Right, whoa, Unless you got any final points here, you got some final points here.
1: I just, I just have to ask this: okay. Broncos, do they make the playoffs? Yes or no? Oh, that's 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 a good one. <laughs> I think they're going to be
0: on the doorstep. They're going to be one of those teams that's like. Even down the stretch, they're going to be in contention. But I think when it comes to, like, the final two weeks, they'll need a lot of help because, unfortunately, they'll suffer some beginning season losses as they're sort of adjusting to the new system and, you know, new coaching staff and all that stuff. So that's what's ultimately going to bite them. So I think they're going to be close, but they'll miss it by just, like, you know, a game, I think, probably.
1: Amir, bookmark this moment right now. The AFC West is going to have three playoff teams. Wow. Okay. The Chiefs, the Broncos and the chargers i was so tempted to go for the joke there and say the raiders but all three of those teams, (laughs) all three of those teams are gonna make the playoffs i'm telling you it's gonna happen all right but honestly that wouldn't shock me either because
0: i mean there's a lot of tell across all three of those teams obviously so it's like yeah it wouldn't completely shock me if they do end up clinching a playoff spot but like i said i think just this year as they make the adjustments i think they'll fall just a little bit short this year and not make it but next year very much as long as everything goes the way that they plan to they'll very much be a contender next year
1: they're gonna be that annoying team that like sunday night football is like that in the hunt graphic it's like the oh yeah, yeah. Are always like there you just like god damn yep. it <laughs>
0: <laughs> consistently they'll be in that graphic for sure just hoping obviously taking so, my calls out
1: yeah. yeah there could only be one horse team <laughs> Uh,
0: But yeah, like we talked about, this is the beginning of our new head coaching series, but this is the end of today's episode. Obviously, a lot of people know about Sean Payton already, but I think we brought some extra wrinkles into this episode that maybe you didn't know about. Obviously, his coaching history and where he played—like, I had no I idea still can't
1: that. believe Vinny Tessaverde was a Cowboy. I never knew <laughs> that.
0: Know, you're learning a lot of extra things there. Not even Sean Payton-related, really. I guess, right? Uh, but yeah, we're going to continue this series going on. Um, we may not do it consecutively, but 100% every week we'll drop a new head coaching episode. We got four episodes left. Uh, the best way to find out about when those episodes are dropping, as long as as, as well as all our other episodes episodes and which coaches we're covering up next you see a ticker down below a little bit late this time but yeah you got our names there it's going to come around just again can't a win them right all now the time. Here, <laughs> it's a it's a loop you know those tiny loops that you see in the uh, kids amusement park where they just go like a you know a 10 yard circle you know this is exactly what the ticker is it's going to come back really fast there so you got us on twitter be it on the side 23 you get 10 Tad 10 side 94 you got the show handle FD the side guys of course on instagram FD to side guys as well wherever you listen to your podcast make sure you're subscribing there whether it's on apple podcast google podcast spotify you listen right on the lafb network website as well and if you're watching us on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel as well but guys make sure you're also supporting our network here that has given us the opportunity to give this podcast to you that is lafb network make sure you're subscribing to their youtube channel and their social media handles and their podcast as well giving you a lot of great content when it comes to the rams and the chargers at the nfl level and the bruins and the trojans at the college level so i mean Lots of great content that's coming from Big Network. But, guys, I mean, if you're following us, if you're interacting with us, listening, watching, I mean, just anything and
1: everything in between, guys, we really can't thank you enough. And I was just short of forcing Murray to do this, but if you would like such things like our record predictions for certain teams, our, you know, scheduled predictions. Hey, how are the Bears going to do this year? I think I'm a little higher on the Bears than the is this year. But, you know, things like that. I'm willing to do that on social media. So, his up as a you know, look, this is better timing right here. His up on those handles go. right below. And as always, everyone, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Our numbers have been great recently. So, we clearly have a great, great base behind us. We cannot thank you enough. Keep supporting us and we'll keep giving you great content. Thank you so much. And as always, please stay safe, everyone.